Welcome to the Preaching Matters Podcast. My name is Alan Carr, and I am your host. Thank you for listening to our episode today. On this podcast, we talk about preaching because we believe preaching matters, and we certainly want our preaching to be better. We want it to glorify God, and we want it to be biblical. And so that's what this podcast is about. We talk about all matters related to preaching because we believe preaching matters. So thank you for tuning in today. We're going to get right into the episode, but before we do, let me ask you to go to your favorite podcast directory and leave us a good review. We would appreciate that. Get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. Now, let's talk about preaching because preaching matters. and welcome back to the Preaching Matters Podcast. As usual, this is Alan Carr, and I thank you for tuning in today. I appreciate you listening to this episode, and I hope it'll be a blessing and a help to you in your journey to becoming a better preacher. This is episode number 86, in which we're going to talk about some reasons why you should write your conclusion first. I know that sounds radical. I know that sounds like something most folk would not do, but that's what we're going to talk about today. We typically say the conclusion to the end, but I want to suggest to you that you write your conclusion first and that you write your introduction last. I know that sounds like getting the cart before the horse, but trust me, this will help you prepare and preach better sermons. Now, a couple things up front. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen so that you can be updated when we upload new material. And also be sure to leave us a positive review if you can. A five-star review would be appreciated. It's one of the best things you can do for any podcast is to give them a five-star review. It really helps the podcast to rise in the algorithms, and it really helps it to be seen by more people. So a five-star review. I don't care what you write in the review. You can say dinosaurs are cool. I don't care. But just leave me a five-star review if you can, and that would be much, much appreciated. Also, as I always say, if you want to reach out to me and make contact via email, you can do so at alancarr at gmail.com. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes. I'd like to hear your thoughts about the podcast in general. And if you have any ideas for future episodes you would like to hear, uh, please let me know and we'll try to incorporate them into our schedule. So please do that. Reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. Now, today, episode 87, starting with the end, starting with the end. Some reasons why writing the conclusion of your sermon first, some reasons why writing your conclusion first can be helpful in you producing a better sermon. So we're going to get right into that. Oh, by the way, uh, you may notice some subtle differences in the sound quality today. The voicing may be a little bit different, and that's because God in his grace has allowed me to obtain the, the unicorn microphone, the one that I've been looking for for a long time and the one that I've wanted for many, many days. God has supplied that, 
and I give him praise for that. I was using a Heil PR40, which is an excellent broadcast mic, but I've now switched to a Shure SM7B, and I don't know if you can pick up on the differences or not. It may be very subtle, but there are differences. As I'm recording right now, I can hear it in my ear. It sounds different. It sounds more natural, and it sounds like me talking. And so uh, that's a blessing, and I appreciate God doing that for me, and I hope you enjoy it. You should get more clear uh, podcast, you should have less pops on the P's and things of that nature. And so here we go. We're going to use the Shure SM7B and see how it works for the podcast today. So starting with the end, some reasons why writing the conclusion of your sermon first is a good idea. So have you ever listened to a sermon and felt as though the preacher did not know when or how to stop talking? And uh, you may have heard the encouragement, just land the plane. I remember hearing a young man preach one time, and he droned on and on. And an elder preacher who was sitting next to me, a man with many, many decades of experience, when the young man finished preaching, he looked over at me and he said he missed a whole lot of good places to stop. I think we've all felt that way because preaching is hard. And ending the sermon with a satisfying conclusion can be even more challenging to us than you can imagine. I mean, here we are. We're trying to preach. We're trying to tell this story from the Bible. We're trying to apply it to God's people. And we have a hard time getting out of the sermon. So you can open with a great opening story. You can have excellent exegesis all the way through your sermon. You can have helpful application, but you can leave the audience exasperated at the end of the sermon because you keep circling the runway instead of landing the plane. Or even worse, you take the people on a great exposition that glorifies God, edifies the saints, and then you crash the plane at the end because you don't know how to get out of your sermon. So how you close a sermon is as important as you start the sermon. Quintilian, the classic orator, said, the preroration or the conclusion is the most important part of forensic pleading. In the sermon's conclusion, you make a final plea and you make an argument for your people to believe what God's word has said, and there you apply it to their lives. But the temptation is to kind of wrap things up haphazardly with an application point or some closing anecdote or some story, and you will serve your people well when you close a sermon with clarity and conviction. If you find that a particular airline has pilots that tends toward uncomfortable bumpy and startling landings, you're going to fly with someone else because let's face it, no one wants to be terrified on an airplane. And as important as it is for a pilot to get you to the ground safely, it's even more critical that those of us who labor in the proclamation of God's word uh, to his church conclude with clarity and satisfaction. And uh, there are some ways you can do that. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, writing your conclusion first. That's amazing, isn't it? And we got to be careful that we learn how to land the plane. So here's a couple of steps you can take to get your conclusion written at the outset, because if you do that, you know where you're going and then you work to get there. And so you write the conclusion with the entire sermon in mind. And by the way, you don't begin this process until after you have already done all your exegesis and got your outline, all those things. You've done all the hard work and you're ready to start writing. So sit down at your keyboard or your pen and paper, however you do it, whether you're new school or old school, 
and you write out that conclusion so that you know how you're going to get out of the sermon, and then you work toward that conclusion throughout the entirety of the message. So here's one thing you can do. You can clarify the central main point. And any impactful sermon aims to communicate a central truth or a main point. And I believe that every sermon should try to prove what that main point is. But too often, preachers lose sight of this focus during the sermon development. So you found this great illustration. Maybe it's hilarious or maybe it's something you just want to share to your people. Maybe there's some fascinating detail in the text or there's a place in there to do some cultural engagement. But what if those great things don't serve your main point? Well, they're your favorite rabbit trails, but going down a rabbit hole is not what a sermon is meant to do. You need to know the main point you're bringing to your people to conclude the sermon. So writing the conclusion first can serve as a powerful antidote to this problem. Your work in the word will lead to the passage's main point. Starting at the end isn't hard if you've done your groundwork ahead of time. And the conclusion should hit that main point home one final and forceful time to stay in your audience's mind. I hope you understand what I'm advocating here. I'm advocating building your sermon around one main truth you want to convey. That I am advocating at the very end of your sermon, you hit hard on that main point and you drive it home with clarity. And so if you craft the conclusion up front, you crystallize that central message you want to leave with the congregation. And the focused idea or the main point becomes the lighthouse guiding every other part of the sermon. And as you construct the introduction and the body, you are constantly reminded of the primary point you want to make. And so it enables you to be sure that every element of your sermon, whether it's scriptural exploration, real life application or illustration, directly contributes to driving home that main point. In other words, this will allow you to cut out all the extraneous superfluous stuff that we stuff into our sermons that does not need to be there. Because let's face it, a lot of times we preach all kinds of things that have nothing to do with the main point. And if we can cut our sermons to the bone and reinforce that central point all the way through our text, it's going to help us produce and deliver much better sermons. So do that. That'll be a blessing to you. And I encourage you to work hard at writing the conclusion first so that you can crystallize in your mind. Here is the main point. Here's how I want to drive it home. And then you can work toward that through the entire sermon. So that's one way. Clarify the main point. Another way you can do that is by pulling together the movements in your sermon, because a sermon really isn't a linear progression of ideas. It's, it's a journey. It's a journey the preacher takes the congregation on, and this journey has different movements, sometimes through contrasting viewpoints, sometimes through parts of the story, or sometimes through the classic three-point sermon. But knowing your conclusion from the outset offers clarity to these movements. And your subpoints work like turns on the road or rocks in a creek 
they get you to your destination. And if you don't know your destination or how you're going to conclude, then your subpoints will take you elsewhere and leave you stranded. So be careful. When you write the conclusion first, you essentially establish the sermon's destination. And with this endpoint in mind, you can thoughtfully plot the course you wish to navigate to get there. And each movement in the sermon becomes a strategic step toward that predetermined conclusion. So you're working all the way from beginning to the ending you have already crafted. That that is not to say that you may not want to edit and change some portions of the conclusion as your sermon grows, but you still have that starting point. You know how you're going to get out before you get in, and that is a helpful thing. So every movement in the sermon then becomes a strategic step toward that conclusion you have crafted. And whether you're using deductive reasoning, building on an argument, engaging in storytelling or whatever, the movement will be more coherent and logical, helping your people understand and remember that message. And so work hard at this. Work hard at crafting a sermon that is logical, that is heading somewhere that has something to say, that uh, is determined to be a blessing to those who hear it, and that will help you be a better preacher for the glory of God. Now, that's what we want to do, right? We want to preach good sermons, and we want to say something when we preach. It's not about filling time. It's not about making noise. It's not about getting up before a congregation and telling them, here's what I think. It doesn't really matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. What matters is what does the word of God say? And if we stick to the text and we exegete it well and we apply it well, if we illustrate it well, if we preach it well, it will help us exit the sermon. If if we plan well, if we study well, if we prepare well, if we preach well, it will help us get out of the sermon with a whole lot less difficulty than we typically have at times. We will not circle the runway round and round and round, but we will land the plane. So you want to pull together all the various movements in your sermon because that will help you build clarity into the sermon and it will help you know how to get out of it. So write that conclusion first. Hey, if you think it's nuts, if you think it's crazy, at least try it. At least practice it. Look at it once or twice and see what happens. See if it does not make the entirety of your sermon. See if in the end it's not a blessing to you and the people who hear you. So and here's one of the critical steps, I think, and this is why this is important. It makes people want to come back and listen again. You think about this. Think about it logically. In your introduction, that's the first thing you say, right? And people, by the time you get through, have probably forgotten how you introduced the sermon. In fact, they may have forgotten all the various movements of the sermon, but you're going to remind them. But a robust and a memorable conclusion leaves a lasting impression. And 
the last part of the sermon, it often resonates most deeply with listeners and gives them something to ponder long after they left the church building. It's the last thing they're going to hear you say. Consequently, the conclusion can be a significant factor in whether people want to return and listen. You know, October is Pastor Appreciation Month here in the States, and a lot of churches are recognizing their pastors and they're giving them gifts and having dinners in their honor and doing all kind of things. And our church did that yesterday, which was October the 15th, I believe. I think, yes, October the 15th. And uh, we had a great day. They had a meal and they gave some gifts and they gave some cards and they did all kind of things. I mean, there was a slideshow, a video presentation, all kind of things, because this year's pastor appreciation coincided with my 20th anniversary at the church. Thank God for that. But what I, what I really th- appreciate about my people is not the fact that they give me stuff or give me honor from time to time. I'm not motivated by that. In fact, I would not care at all if they did not have pastor appreciation. That would not matter to me it, on any level. Uh, I'm not after that stuff. The best thing they can do for me is come back to hear me preach. And when I see the same faces week after week after week after week, that is an encouragement to me because people like what they hear and they want to come back. And now I'm not going to brag on myself because I'm not worthy of any praise, but I will say that yesterday I received a basket full of cards from our people and what a blessing it was to read what they said. But overall, the majority of those cards focused on one aspect. They thanked me for studying the word of God and preaching the truth. And that's what it's about. That's exactly what we are to be going for. And so these people are hungry for the word and they keep coming back because they know they're going to hear the word of God preached. And it's not that I'm a great preacher. It's just the fact that I try to stay in my text and I try to preach that text and I try to make it relevant to where they live. And so that helps. So if you can learn to write the conclusion first, you can make people want to come back and listen again, because that again is the last thing they're going to hear you say. So writing the conclusion first allows you to type loose ends. It allows you to identify the key takeaways and it allows you to set the emotional tone you want to set. And by identifying the emotional and spiritual landing point early on in your preparation, you're better prepared to craft a sermon that captures attention from the beginning, holds it throughout, and releases it only after imprinting a compelling message on the hearts of your listeners. And that's something that I would want to come back and hear again and again. I enjoy preaching that has something to say. I enjoy preaching that leaves an impression. I enjoy preaching that feeds me during the course of the sermon, but at the end, it drives home that central point and makes me want to come back and hear more about what the preacher has to say. So I think the task of sermon writing is both a privilege and a responsibility, and the approach one takes in this endeavor can make all the difference between a good sermon, a mediocre sermon, and a poor sermon. And writing the conclusion first may seem counterintuitive, but that's all the more reason to give it a try. And I'm not saying pick a conclusion apart from God's word. 
You've got to do that exegetical legwork first. You've got to do the background study. You've got to study the grammar and the wording in the text. You have got to do all the hard work first, and then you can move into this thought of writing that conclusion. So work hard and find the main idea and then sit down to write the sermon and do it at the end. Write the conclusion first because, again, it clarifies your sermon's central point. It gives structure and clarity to the various movements of the, of the sermon. And most importantly, it leaves your congregation eager to return for more. There's nothing magical about you when you write your conclusion. But having a good conclusion that reinforces the ending of your sermon is important. And it's too easily passed by without fault. So the next time you sit down to write a sermon, consider starting at the end. Again, this is not some um, panacea. This is not some magical pill that you can take and instantly make you a great preacher. But what this will do, it will help your focus throughout the entire sermon writing process. Again, I'm talking about the writing process. You see, before you can write a good conclusion, a good introduction, or a good body, You've got to have done the legwork. You must go back into that text and you must dig as deep as you can, find out everything you can, wrap that in a compelling outline, and then present that to the people. But if you will state your conclusion first, if you'll know how you're going to end, if you'll know how you're going to drive home the main points in that sermon, then you can at least use that information in the introduction all the way through the body to that conclusion so that you know where you're going, you know how you're going to get there, and you know how you're going to land the airplane. And that is essential. It is important. That is the kind of preaching that makes people want to come back and listen. And isn't that what we're after? I mean, my goodness, we want to grow our churches. We want to see God bless them. We want to see people fed. We want to see sinners saved. We want to preach the gospel. We want to clarify the truths of the Bible. We want to get the truth out there. And that's what we have to do. And the, and the only way you and I can do that is by writing a sermon that says something. And then by ending that sermon with, with a statement that says something that drives home the central point of the message into the hearts of our hearers so that they leave knowing they have heard from the word of God. And not only have they heard from the word of God, they have been challenged to do something with the word of God they've heard. And so that is essential. That is something we cannot miss. It is something we must take to heart and that we must do with all of our being. God help us to do that, to write our conclusions first and be better preachers, knowing how we're going to end the sermon. So you may think this is, again, superfluous. You may think this is not necessary. You may think this is just, oh, well, when I get to the end of it, I'll just, you know, say, hey, uh, if you need to repent, come to Jesus. If you need to make things right with God, come to him. And if you need to praise God, you can do it. If you got a burden, bring it. And we transition right into a um, an altar call when I think that's missing the point of preaching. We're not preaching to an altar call. We're preaching to real men, women, boys, and girls who face issues with sin, who face issues in life, who need our help. And our duty to them 
is to preach the gospel with clarity so that they can understand what God says and what God means by what he says. And then finally, what God expects them to do based on what he has said. And that is the essence of biblical preaching. We are to expose the truth. We are to drive the truth home. And one of the best places we can do that is the end of our sermon and we leave them with that lasting thought, here is what God said, here's what he meant, and here's what he wants you to do. So instead of saying, uh, come get us a song, and if you need to repent, you can come, blah, blah, blah. Instead of saying that, we can say, here's what we've learned today, and here's what this says to us, and here's what God expects us to do with what he has said to us. And that is a helpful helpful hint that will improve your preaching. If you do it, it may seem ludicrous. It may appear ridiculous. You may think I've dropped off the deep end somewhere, but get that conclusion written first. Give it a try and see what happens in your life and in your preaching. Well, that's all I've got for you today, and I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you for being part of the Preaching Matters podcast family. I would appreciate you reaching out to me at alancar at gmail.com. Leave that review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you'd like to be a partner in our ministry, then you can do so through Patreon or through Buzzsprout, and the links are in the show notes. So thank you so much for those who do support us. Thank you for that revenue. It helps us to stay on the air. It pays the bills. Podcasting is not cheap. That's a fact. The equipment needed to do this alone is in the thousands of dollars, and I'm grateful that God has supplied that. And then you've got to pay for your hosting time and all the other stuff. I'm not begging for money. I don't care. This podcast is free. This podcast will remain free for as long as I do it. But if you can help us defer some of the costs, we would appreciate that. And if you'd like to send a one-time gift through PayPal, you can do it at preacher at sermonnotebook.org. And we appreciate your help. Again, not asking for money, but I'm just saying we're here. And if you'd like to help us, then we'd appreciate it. So thank you. God bless your week. God bless your work. God bless your family. God bless your preaching. May God bless you in all that you do for the glory of the Lord. And by all means, gentlemen, keep preaching because preaching matters. Thank you once again for joining us today on the Preaching Matters podcast. We'll try to have a new episode out next week. So I encourage you, if you enjoyed the episode or you think someone else would enjoy it, first, I want you to subscribe. And I'd like for you to leave a positive review on the platform of your choice or on several if you choose. And I'd like for you to tell somebody else about it. This is a podcast for preachers. If you are a preacher or know some preacher who might benefit, share the news. God bless you. Thanks for being here. I pray that preaching goes well for you. God blesses you in your work for his glory. Pray for us, and Lord willing, we'll see you next week.